All right, for all you kids here and those who are kids at heart, one more sleep. That's it, right? Yeah, I, I love Christmas because it's one of those few moments in our culture today where we actually have to wait for something, right? Most things in our culture now, we don't have to wait for it anymore. I mean, think about this. Think, when I was a kid, if you went on vacation and took pictures, okay, you had to come back from vacation, go to the mall, take the pictures to the mall, give it to them, then wait like what? I don't know, a month, three months? It was like a week maybe, right? And then you would come. If you had a lot of money, you could do the one hour thing, but still, you, you'd have to wait. Then you get the pictures. You'd open up that envelope, remember that? And you'd take them out. You'd be like, oh, wow, remember when we did this? Now, now we take our phone. Hey, let me see that right away. Remember we did that like one second ago, right? We don't have to wait for a whole lot. And I think we're trained to get whatever we want, whenever we want it, as quickly as we want it. And so when we start reading in, in God's word about the promises of Christmas, and, and we read all the way back in Isaiah, almost 800 years before Jesus came, this promise that hope was coming. 800 years. Imagine this. Imagine telling your kids like in May, hey, you're going to love the Christmas gift I'm getting you this year. Only 183 more sleeps, right? That'd be horrible. Yet, yet in Isaiah, there's this promise and it's a promise that God says it's a promise for people who are walking in great darkness. People who are uncertain of their future. People who have fear, feeling alone, feeling helpless, feeling hopeless. People who feel abandoned by God because of their life choices. And God comes and he says, I'm gonna give you a promise. In Isaiah 9, chapter 9, verse 6, he gives this promise that a, a, a son will be born, a, a baby is coming, a child is going to be given, a savior is coming who will be a mighty God, a wonderful counselor, an everlasting father, and a prince of peace. At Harvest on Sunday mornings, we've been unpacking this verse, looking at all those different ways that Jesus is described in this promise. And tonight, I want to center in on this, on the Prince of Peace. And, and it's this hope given, this promise given in a time where there wasn't peace. And it, it doesn't take a lot to look around in our world right now. And, and it doesn't take much for me to convince you that there's not a lot of peace going on. And we can see the impact of sin and brokenness everywhere so that whether you're a church person or not, we can understand, we can feel the impact of sin. And whether it's your own sinful choices and, that bring guilt and shame, whether it's sin that's been done to you that brings hurt and pain, whether it's sin that you just see around you and it brings confusion and heartache, we need peace. But most importantly, we need peace with God. This promise given in Isaiah, and then finally, finally in the book of Luke, we read about this announcement where angels show up on the scene one night, and they bring a declaration of peace. Into that darkness, they come and saying, hey, peace has come. And the angels, they come to these shepherds with this declaration. These guys who by all cultural standards of their day were the farthest from God. They, they were the, in, in Mideastern times in the first century, they were the lowest on the cultural rung you could get and the angels show up at night. So these are guys on the night shift. So they're even the lowest of the shepherds on the rung of culture and the angels show up with this announcement. 
The promise of Isaiah being fulfilled. The angels say this in Luke chapter 2. They say, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It says that, that a whole bunch more angels showed up at that moment and they said this. They were singing this as praise. They say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. They say glory to God in the highest. That, that means the highest praise that we could give, the greatest praise for God happens at this moment, this birth of a baby. I mean, think about how remarkable that is for an angel to say, this is the greatest moment. These would be angels who would have been around, who would have seen firsthand when God would have said, let there be light and millions of galaxies would have appeared. They, they said this moment was greater. I mean, they, they would have seen galaxies appear. Now, now, scientists tell us that there are three million trillion stars in our known universe. That, that number is almost too big to think of. What, what is three million trillion? How many is that? Here, here's a way, maybe this will help. If you were to think of, of, of seconds, one million seconds, <clears throat> One million seconds ago would be about 11 days ago. So if you think, well, how long ago was one million seconds ago? It would be December the 13th. Okay, what about a billion? One billion seconds ago would have been 1985, right? So a billion seconds ago, all right? Like the first Back to the Future movie was, was playing, all right? They just came out with, with, with a, a CD Walkman where you could, you could take your CDs with you and carry them with you and go, wow, this is great. I can run with my CDs. No, you can't because if you walk, they'll skip, right? Remember those? those? They were supposed to be so awesome and they weren't at all. That, that's um, a, a billion seconds ago. A trillion seconds ago is 32,000 years ago. That's a trillion. So, so a million is 11 days, a trillion is 32,000 years ago, and scientists say there are three million trillion stars. The angels see these created, and they say, no, 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 this is greater. This is glory to God in the highest. His decision to come as our Savior to bring us peace. And here's the thing, we all so want peace. But the biggest obstacle for us to have this peace of God is admitting that we need him to come as a savior. I mean, Jesus coming as a savior, it means we, we have to admit how bad our condition is. The apostle Paul says in Ephesians 2, he says that we were separated from God. We were alienated. We were strangers. We, we had no hope, but then in Christ... We who were far off are now brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace and he broke down the dividing wall of hostility. We spend our days grasping for peace wherever we can find it, grabbing hold of anything we can grab a hold of. We'll seek for peace in, in the approval of people, in, in getting more stuff, in seeking fame or power or control or ease or acceptance or friendships and yet we still find somehow we have a lack of peace. And scripture says the reason you have no peace is because you're separated from God. You're at war with God. You're in hostility, an enemy towards God. The core of our angst, of our fear, of our unrest is that we're not at peace with God. We're separated from God because of our sin so listen, the fullness, 
The wholeness of peace in our heart is found exclusively in making peace with God. Here's the problem I find with Christmas, and I love Christmas. The problem with Christmas is that we can be kind of surrounded a little bit by this idea of Jesus, and we become inoculated to the truth of Jesus. You know what I mean when I say inoculated? It's when you get a little bit of the real thing that stops you from getting the real thing. And so we hear a, a little bit about this, this spirit of Christmas, this, this peace of Christmas. Listen, listen, Jesus came as the Prince of Peace, the way for us to have peace with God. That's the real thing. He came as one who lived in perfect obedience to God, the, the only one who was not at war with God, and he came as the perfect one, and yet history says that he was crucified on a criminal's cross. Why is that? Why, why would Jesus die? The Bible says that the, the penalty for sin is death, but if, if he's the savior of the world, if he's perfect, why did he have to pay the penalty for sin? He died to be the savior of the world. He died to take our penalty for our sins. Remember what it said in Ephesians 2, we're hopeless, we're alienated, we're, we're at enmity with God, we're, we're enemies of him, but, but we're now brought near through the blood of Christ. He's our peace. He, he broke down the walls of hostility. The, the coming of Christ was, was bringing peace in between our rebellion and, and hostility towards God and his holy, just, perfect law his wrath towards our rebellion, and Jesus stepped in the middle to bring peace. He shed his blood on the cross. He, he took all of God's wrath so that those who would believe God would replace his wrath against you with his pleasure in the imputed righteousness of Christ for you, that, that peace came to earth as the angels proclaimed on those on who God's favor rests, those who embrace the sacrifice of Christ, that Jesus lived the life we couldn't live, the perfect life, the only life that we could live to not be enemies of God. Jesus lived that life, but then he died the death that we should have died, and he rose again to defeat an enemy we couldn't defeat, to defeat sin, to bring peace. And so we have peace when we humble ourselves, when we trust in the finished work of Christ on our behalf. We submit our lives to the Prince of Peace. That word Prince, that Jesus comes as the Prince of Peace, the Hebrew word is Sar. It means the one who's in charge, the captain, the chief, the Lord. In fact, Romans, the Romans took the word Sar and they made the word Caesar out of it like Julius Caesar, like the, the Lord, the ruler, the king, the one in charge. And Jesus comes, he says, I'm the captain of your peace, the Lord of your peace. So as long as we live under Christ, we have his peace. The scripture says in Colossians that we can then let the peace of Christ rule our hearts. So what's it look like then to have the peace of Christ rule our hearts? Well, well if you're a Christian here tonight, if, if, if you've made peace with God through Christ, and, and if you don't have the peace of God, if it's not ruling your hearts, the answer is this, submit your life under the rule of Christ. You're the captain of my peace. You're the one in charge. When I have no peace in my life, it's because I've stepped outside of the rule of Christ. I've stepped out, out, out from around the captain of my peace to grab a hold of peace somewhere else, to grab a hold of peace 
to, to let something else rule my heart, to look for peace in places that God never promised peace would come. And what's my answer then? To turn back to Christ, to, to come under his rule as the captain, the ruler of peace. If you're not a Christian tonight, where, where do you find this peace? Well, I know it's popular today to say that you know, whatever way to God you want to follow, it's okay. It's, it's like he's on the top of the mountain. There are all these different paths to get to him. Take whatever one you want. Listen, the Bible doesn't say that. It says salvation is found in no one else. That there's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Jesus himself said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to the Father but by me. Every other religion teaches you, hey, you can save yourself. You can climb yourself up that mountain. If you're good enough, if you do enough religious things... You'll be saved. And Jesus comes as a baby in a manger to, to live the perfect life, to die on our behalf. God himself came to die to show us that you can't save yourself. So he did. As we humble ourselves under him and receive him, we have peace. Religion says, try harder, do more. Jesus says, listen, I already did it for you. I did what you never could do, so receive this gift. So, so how does Christ rule your heart? How does the peace of Christ, how can he rule your heart tonight with peace? It's when you come to a place where you confess, I can't do this, God. But I'm trusting you can. I agree that I'm lost and broken and hopeless. I'm walking in darkness. I'm, there's a wall of hostility between me and you. And so I give my heart to you. I give my life to you. I lay it all down at your feet. God, God, help me. Lord Jesus, rule my heart today. That, that's my prayer for all of us this, this Christmas Eve. If you're a follower of Christ that you would call out, Jesus, let your peace rule my heart. More than anything else, would you let your peace rule my heart? And where it's not, where, where I've stepped out, I wanna come back under you as the captain, the prince of peace. If you don't know Christ, that this would be the night where you say, I'm gonna bring my life under the captain of peace because I know that my greatest need is not peace with other people. My first need is peace with God. And from that, horizontal peace will come. you trust in his promises tonight that the Prince of Peace has come. And you'd let the peace of Christ rule in your heart tonight. I love Christmas Eve services. I love that we get together like this and that we rejoice in, in the God of our salvation. We rejoice in the coming of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. We gather like this to proclaim that Jesus came to make a way for us to have peace with God. Would you stand with me as I pray? Heavenly Father, I pray that tonight by your spirit that the peace of Christ might rule in our hearts. Lord, where we've tried to be God, where we've stepped outside of your care and your rule, Lord, we confess that tonight where we've walked in unrepentant sin, where we've gone after that, which you said no to God, we confess that. Where we're not Christians tonight, God, may, may tonight be the night where
we're made right with you, where we confess our hearts before you, where we lay our lives before you, repent of our sin, and ask you to be our Lord Jesus, our Prince of Peace. I pray even right now, even as we get ready to sing of that holy night, where the angel showed up and proclaimed a peace that had come into the world, the, the, the peace between us and you, Lord God, that as we proclaim that, as, as, as we do that, that you would draw our hearts to the reality of your grace even now, and that tonight would be a night where we experience your grace. We need you. And it's in your beautiful name, Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's sing together.